I've learned a lot these past few weeks about this us of me that you all were just singing about, this way that an individual can be held up, can be a part of a larger whole and find joy and support there. As many of you know, on August 30th, lightning struck our home just above the bed where my wife Loretta and I were sleeping and our house caught on fire. The water that put out the fire and saved the rest of the houses around us destroyed our home and most of our belongings. We kept saying to ourselves that night that we were like the Red Cross commercial we'd seen. We were the parents and children standing out in the rain in the middle of the night, standing there in our pajamas and whatever shoes we had grabbed or didn't grab, stunned, watching our house go up in flames, realizing that life as we knew it was over. We went to bed with one set of problems, I keep saying, and we woke up with a whole new set I couldn't have even imagined. It has been your kindness and generosity and the kindness and generosity of the larger web of life that has held us up these past few weeks as we've made our way through these unsteady times. You've been there for us with lunch boxes and bike helmets for the kids and shoes for the adults. You've kept us in your thoughts and prayers and we have felt that constantly. Many of you have reminded us, the adults, to take it slow and take care of ourselves too. Words will never fully be able to express the gratitude we feel for all of your care, for your generosity, for the ways that you have held us up and have made this terrible experience a bit more bearable. It was about a week after the fire when we dropped our son Henry off for a play date with one of our neighbors. We stayed and chatted a bit with the adults. Everybody wants to hear the story of what happened. And then we spent a little more time talking about kind of the ensuing grief and how hard some of the days have been since then. Our friends listened to us very carefully for a time, and then one of them, the one that's always ready with some sort of contrary or argumentative or almost out of line thing to say, burst forward with his disarming humor. Well, Jen, what did you expect, really? A lesbian minister of a Unitarian Universalist church? Of course your house got hit by lightning. <sighs> what do you do with that? I don't know. So we laughed for a little while. And then I found myself saying almost reflexively, without even thinking, thank goodness I let go of that kind of God a long time ago. <laughs> you see, as I've moved deeper into the stream of Unitarian Universalism over the years, I've let go of that idea of a punishing God, the one who tries to keep me or you or anyone in line with fear or lightning strikes. I've let go of the idea of a God who has everything planned out for us just so. And this idea that I might be paying for my sins or the sins of others with the suffering that comes my way. I've let go of any image of a divine being that has anything to do with it besides love. Clear, bright, unconditional love for me and you and everyone. I'm grateful to know as we live into the aftermath of this fire that for me, God had nothing to do with the lightning but God has had everything to do with what has happened next. 
For me, I find God in the neighbors who saw the lightning strike our home and ran to our door, making sure that we all got out safely and who opened up their running truck to our children so they could get out of the rain. God was certainly in the neighbor who came and swept my kids up in his arms and welcomed them into his home, keeping them calm and entertained while my wife and I watched and experienced what happened next. God was certainly in the firefighter who dug through the rubble of our bedroom and came out in the, that dark night in her full gear with her enormous gloves. She took her glove off, put, went into her tiny pocket and pulled out the ring, Loretta's wedding ring, and handed it to us. God is certainly for me in the listening ears that don't rush to solve all of this too quickly or try to tie it up in a neat and tidy bow. God is in the friends who can laugh with us at the absurdity of our lives. And God is certainly in the people who can be with us when we fall apart, when the sadness is too much. For me, God is in each and every one of you and so many others, but God is definitely not in the lightning. Not yet, maybe not ever. After an unexpected and unexplainable tragedy came her way many years ago now, my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Laurel Holman, declared from her hospital bed that Unitarian Universalists believe in random events. Not predestination, not a God or a universe of punishment or reward or even lessons to be given and learned, but a theology of random events. Writing about this later, she said, a theology of random events begins with the belief that whatever comes from a particular event in our lives is not foreordained, predestined, calculated, meaning-laden, lesson-ripe. It just is. Whatever comes will come as the events continue to unfold, she says, and our job is to pay attention. I hear this, and I hear that the event itself is not meaningful. There is not meaning to be made out of why lightning struck my house and not yours, why the accident happened to that person or that one, or why illness came to you and not me. There is a randomness to some events, a genuine randomness, and the meaning is not already there in it. Now this theology of random events flies in the face of the older theological thinking, the thinking that says there is a punishing or rewarding God that the events of our lives are already planned out before we were born. But this theology of random events also flies in the face of some of the newer theological thinking as well. The thinking that says that life events are tailor-made for us as individuals, that each event is designed to teach us just the lessons that we need to learn. It would be nice to believe that things that happen to us are personalized, Reverend Dr. Hallman says, that even the tragedies of our lives are shaped for us because we need them. It might redeem them somehow, but I don't believe that, she writes. We might, must start with and stay with the loss, she has told me, and that loss mustn't be glossed over and dressed up to look like gain. Now, it can be hard to sit with the randomness of some events when we as a people want so much to make order, especially when it feels like we might be consumed by chaos. 
It can be hard to admit that there are some things over which we have absolutely no control. But for me, in acknowledging this truth, that there are things I have had no control over that may in fact be totally random, acknowledging this gives me the space that I need to grieve, to feel fully, to not gloss over the impact of these random events. Now I say all of this and I know too that it is important to note that not all events are random. And in fact, some people and sometimes we try to abdicate our responsibility about certain events to shirk the meaning of them by saying that they are random. This past week, as Elaine said, Terrence Crutcher, an unarmed black man, was shot and killed by a police officer in Tulsa after his car broke down. This week, Keith Scott, a black man, was shot and killed by police in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week, black and brown people were injured physically and spiritually in ways that often only they and their friends and family will know. And these events are anything but random. As my colleague, the Reverend Robin Tanner, said about the peaceful witness and righteous rage that was being expressed in Charlotte on Tuesday night, she said before the news media, Tuesday night did not begin on Tuesday night. The killing of black and brown people goes back long beyond this moment. There is a history here. This is not random. We are lying if we name these killings as random events and our society is abdicating its responsibility and accountability for the pain it is inflicting when we deny the patterns that result in these deaths. These injustices have been happening for years and these events are not random. They are the embodiments of racism and irrational fear that have been passed on for generations in our American culture. There are events that are random and there are events that are anything but random. It is important to name each as they are. And yet, I've come to believe that whether an event is random or not random, one of the primary spiritual questions for us as people trying to live spiritual lives is this. What meaning will unfold from this event? What meaning will we create from these events of our lives, from these events in the life of our community? I've been hearing the words of the poet that we read from this morning, Naomi Shihab Nye, as the events of these past few weeks have unfolded. I keep hearing her in my head. There are certainly days when I've wished I could turn into a cabbage and just hide. There have been days when the pain and the joy of the world has felt almost too much to bear. And I'll bet that is true for many of you too, whether you've had a fire in your house or not. There have been moments these past few weeks when I've wondered, what would it be like if I, if we, thought twice before responding to obligations and expectations and invitations that come our way? What would it be like if our new project that would last forever, a lifetime even, would be to build a life of compassion and care for ourselves and each other and the world? What would it be like if we actually remembered that we are like a leaf, that we could tumble at any moment? What would it be like if we could stay that awake in this world? What meaning might unfold then 
from the events of our lives, from the events in the life of our community, what might we make out of them? Months ago, before the fire happened in my life, when I knew that our September worship theme was invitation, I excitedly mapped out what I'm sure would have been a great sermon <laughs> on this topic of what to do with unwanted invitations. I had these great stories and ideas selected, and in this kind of sick sort of way, I've been enjoying the irony of my new life circumstances in light of all this planning. I've also found it interesting that it was just a few months ago, before the fire, that I got a tattoo of a phoenix. But still, I don't believe in foreshadowing or predestination. I don't. issued my family an unwanted invitation to see what it's like to live with less or any other interpretation that feels trite about this loss. But I do believe that there is an invitation in here for me. Over these last few weeks, I've been doing things a little differently than I have before. I've been sharing my internal life and what's going on for me inside more deeply with more people than I ever have before. I've been letting myself cry whenever the tears come up instead of tamping them down for some other time when I'd be all alone. I've resisted some of my usual ways, my habits of not speaking about what is uncomfortable until it's all polished up and healed over with a beautiful shiny scar I can tell a far away story about. These past few weeks, I've needed to tell the truth wholeheartedly to let people hold me up whether it feels comfortable to me or not. The image that I've been carrying with me over these weeks comes from the world of construction, no surprise here. It's the image of the wood braces that are built and put in place before the concrete is poured. <clears throat> when the concrete gets poured into these wooden braces, it takes time to set and to harden there, but the braces are all there holding that concrete in place when it, on its own, is all messy and jiggly and pretty useless. But those braces are there with their quiet faith that things will change, with their trust that the concrete will harden and become useful in new ways that it maybe could not have imagined before. And I know from watching this happen in real life when that wet concrete is poured into those wooden braces and then the braces are removed at the right time that the grain of the wood is present then on the concrete forever, marking the ways it has been held together, that it has transformed into something new. These past few weeks, I've imagined each of you and so many others as the hands that make up those braces that are holding me and my family, and that I know have held many of you in difficult times too. And I'm grateful for the ways that the wood makes an imprint on that concrete the ways that I and my family and all of you who've had hard times like this are changed forever by the hands of strangers. I know that you have been standing ready and it has been so helpful and so kind. So in all of this, 
I do believe there is an invitation here for me, for my family, for each and every one of us. There is an invitation here, whether the events we are experiencing in our lives are random ones or are the result of age-old patterns of oppression. I believe there is an invitation here, whether in this moment we are the wet, jiggly, seemingly useless concrete or whether we are the wooden braces holding one another up. There is an invitation to a spiritual life that demands of us deeper vulnerability, deeper presence with one another, deeper community. No matter what events have come your way, I hope you might consider this invitation that is being offered. In this church community, we are inviting one another into deeper vulnerability, into deeper presence with one another, into deeper community. This is the life that we are inviting you, that I too am being invited into. And we invite you into this in three particular ways. We invite you to begin or strengthen your spiritual practice, those habits that ground you, that open your attention in new ways, that connect you to something larger than yourself. We invite you into a spiritual practice grounded in attention and intention and repetition. We invite you to find your place in a smaller group within this large community, to join a circle or a small group, a teaching team, a community of service or longing. We invite you to actively find your place and your people here. And finally, we invite you into faithful action, into the constant spiritual quest of striving to align your actions with your values, with creating with each word and thought and deed the beloved community that we dream about. This is the life we are inviting you into. The end of the story is not yet written for our individual lives and for our community. May we lean in to this invitation to deeper vulnerability, to deeper presence, to deeper community. May it be so. Amen.